welcome to How to Have Fun at Work. My name is Lynn Parker and I spent years doing something I was good at, but not having any fun. Then one of my clients told me that women aren't funny. So I created Funny Women and the rest is history. In this podcast, I talk to guests from both comedy and business. They have a lot more in common than you would ever imagine. We're discussing that mighty big topic of leadership today. Now, my two special guests are drawn from very different worlds, one of business and the other of comedy. I actually consider them both to be leaders in their own way. I consider a lot of the women I know to be leaders. So let me welcome first Harriet Minter and Pauline Eyre. Hello. Hello. Hello, both of you. So... I'm going to chat to Harriet first. I first met Harriet on the business speaking circuit. I don't know if she remembers that. And she then became my editor by encouraging me to write an occasional article for the Guardian Women in Business section. Harriet is a very accomplished journalist and editor. Uh, She has a monthly column in Psychology's magazine. She hosts a literally badass women's radio show, the Badass Radio Show, And she has two TED Talks to her credit. Harriet also coaches individuals to help them achieve their professional goals. And most importantly, her book, Working From Home, How to Build a Career You Love When You're Not in the Office, has just been published. Welcome, Harriet. Hello, thank you. Very good timing on the book, I would say. It is, isn't it? I mean, I'd love to say it's because I knew what I was doing. But if I had that level of foresight, I would be using it for the lottery, to be honest, rather than writing back. Um, but my publisher had this idea in June last year, and then we I wrote it in about three months, and they published it in about two. So it, we've just snuck in there before everybody goes back to the office. Yeah, I think your publisher had a premonition. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> so it's a topic of our time. So on the subject of fun at work, was this fun to write? And do you actually have fun when you're working? Um, Hmm. no it wasn't weirdly it's sort of like I I haven't I've never given birth so I don't know but everyone tells me that when you give birth it's like this horrendous experience but your brain does something where it forgets so you don't remember so you think at some point oh it'd be so lovely to have another another baby and I know that this was possibly the worst working experience ever but I've forgotten it and in my head I'm like oh yeah it'd be so lovely to write another book um, so no, it wasn't fun. <laughs> it wasn't fun at all. Oh, it was painful. I mean, it, because I'm used to writing things that are like 500, 600 words long. And then suddenly yeah. you have to write 60,000 words without repeating yourself too often. That's not um, fun. That's not, not fun, fun, is it? It's not no, fun. no. But when you then publish it, and then you get to have like nice chats with people and you see your book and you get to feel it, that bit's fun. So oh. that's the bit I just focus on now. Oh, well, we'll we'll come back to the birthing <laughs> thing because we do have an expert in our midst. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know. Good. So my other guest is Pauline Eyre. She describes herself uh, as a jack of all trades, but for the sake of feminism, I'm going to call her Jacqueline. <laughs> she is best known to me as a fantastic and hardworking mum-to-all comedian with whom I've had the great pleasure of working with many times over the last few years. As well as being a stand-up comedian, Pauline is an antenatal teacher. There we are, oh. lots of tips for Harriet coming up. Mm-hmm. She's also a voiceover artist, a continuity announcer, a fitness instructor, an actor 
And now, apparently, a delivery driver. Yay! Now, I've seen how hard she works juggling family life with her portfolio career. And I'm keen to explore Pauline's views on leadership and how that plays out in the world of entertainment. So welcome, Pauline. Thank you, Lynn. So with all those things going on in your life, do you actually have time for any fun? And which of those things is the most fun? Oh, they're all fun. They're all fun. I do other things in my life in that, you know, obviously I've got a family and kids and stuff and I play a lot of tennis and that's what the mornings are for. But it is all fun and I'm, I'm so privileged because I get to do lots of things that I really love. And I was so sensible doing that, you know, as all business people would know, if you're going to set up as a freelance, it's great to have things to fall back on. I had so many things to fall back on. If comedy wasn't working, I had teaching. If teaching wasn't working, I had fitness. And then pretty much all of it fell apart about a year ago. Um, <sighs> the teaching stayed that stayed and went online. There was no comedy for a long time, although that's started yeah. to pick up again now. Um, but it's... What I love is the keeping moving and just doing lots of mm. things. And it's all, it, just the variety is the joy. Although it was just, I, when I started stand-up comedy, I realised what all the other things had been leading up to, which was, oh, I like to be the, the one at the front with all the attention. Ah, here we go. So here, a nice, a very nice segue into the topic of leadership, Pauline. Thank you. 10 out of 10. <laughs> so both of you, I'm going to ask you both in turn, uh, Let's start with you, Harriet. What is your definition, and it's a very big title here, of leadership? Oh, gosh, a big question. I think my definition of leadership is someone who understands where they are going and can bring others with them. Mm. And I think sometimes we can do one or the other. So I think some people can be brilliant at having that clear goal that vision that they're going for and they're just single-minded about it and they see it and they're out there and they're going for it and other people can be brilliant at that collaboration community building place but I think it's quite it can be quite rare to find somebody who can do both together and mm. I think it's hard to do both together right because if you're doing both together you're sort of concentrating you're looking forward but you're also keeping your eyes on everyone to the side and behind you. Yeah. Um, but that's that for me is the definition of leadership, somebody who can do both of those things. Thanks. Pauline? Couldn't agree more. And in fact, yeah, when you asked the question, I was thinking very much it's somebody who takes people with them. Um, mm. You know, tyrannical leadership or egotistical um, <laughs> leadership is is not, um, you don't want to follow that person. Um, and so that's that's such an important principle for me. But you're absolutely right, Harriet, you have to know where this ship is sailing towards, um, which perhaps, it's really interesting what you say about the balance, because I think maybe I take that for granted, um, that I know where I'm going, but does everybody else know where <laughs> we're going when I'm in a leadership role? And I think so, that's a really interesting, you know, a really interesting problem that lots of us have, which is, it's so clear to us. So obviously, it should be clear to everybody else. Um, yeah. But because we're all different, we're all looking at different points on the horizon. Hmm. I think that there are three things that come out of that for me, which we I'd like to unpack a little bit. One is, how important is that charisma? You know, when you talked about tyrants, a lot of them are weirdly charismatic because oh. how else would they lead um can we coach people to lead how much does fear play as part of leadership and your last 
point you both said, actually, in different ways about communication, because I actually think women are quite good communicators. And if you look at today's modern female leaders, uh, you know, Nicola Sturgeon is a really good example where she does communicate very well. So my next question really is what sort of qualities does it take? What, are, what, what do we look for? You've sort of answered it, but let's take it on a notch, Harriet. I guess definitely there is that communication piece. So somebody who can not only communicate their ideas to other people, but communicate their ideas to other people in a way that other people understand. And it sounds a bit manipulative to say, I think all great leaders have an element of the salesman in them or salesperson. Um, but I think the ability to sell your idea to other people and understand, and to do that, you have to understand what other people need. And so quite often we talk at the moment about empathy as a leadership skill. We say, oh, it's great to see leaders who are empathetic. And actually, we can be a bit dismissive of empathy. We can say, oh, it's one of those mm. softer leadership skills. It's one of the skills that the women leaders have, you know, because they don't have the other skills that the male leaders have or whatever. Um, but actually, empathy is about understanding what other people need and how you can give that to them. And that, for me, I think is a really interesting part of leadership because you can be somebody with a great vision and you can be hugely charismatic and you can have a big personality and you might get people with you for a bit. But humans, I think we are intrinsically looking you know, to ourselves. We intrinsically want to look after ourselves first. So a leader who can understand actually what you need and what you want right now is this. And my idea can give it to you in this way. This is how I'm going to support yeah. you. That feels like a really interesting, maybe slightly guru-esque, I don't know, but guru, uh, guru with empathy form of leadership. I'm all for the empathy. And I think it's really an amazing thing to tap into it because I, for many years I didn't trust my empathy and I would do what people said I should do. And the minute I switched that off and started trusting my own instincts or whatever, use my empathy or whatever you want to call it, I think I became, in my own eyes anyway, a better leader, communicator or whatever. Um, and following on from that, Pauline, just want to bring you in here because I talked briefly about charisma. Um, a lot of charismatic people are very funny as well. So yeah. leading question, but how important is humour in the positioning of leadership? And I, it was really interesting, actually, because I also wanted to break down your question, which is to say, are you talking about good leaders or bad leaders? Um, because, you know, you could, there are lots of um, things that I wouldn't regard as great qualities that, that traditional leaders have. And I don't think you could argue that Margaret Thatcher wasn't a good leader. Um, I just didn't like her leadership or, you know what I mean? I didn't like what she led, but, but she was very good at bringing people with her. She didn't bring me, but she brought a lot of other people. And, and, and then this idea that the idea of the, the, the more... You know, traditionally feminine uh, qualities. I think Jacinda Ardern is the most extraordinary example yes, of a leader who is so empathetic. So who will, but I think, and it's the same with humour. I think these things have to be natural. It's so obvious when they're switched on. So Jacinda Ardern is not particularly funny, or I haven't seen many examples of it. Um, but when something naturally occurs to her, she can be funny. She doesn't go right. Funny is a good <laughs> is a good leadership thing. I'm going to go for. Funny, um, just as just as I, you know, I could never lead in the way that Margaret Thatcher does because I just don't have that. Um, I don't have that 
confidence. I don't have that utter, utter belief in myself, even if people tell me I'm wrong. Um, but I, I have naturally a lot of empathy and I naturally want to be funny all the time. Mm. And I, so for me, I think I can lead quite well when I'm myself. And I think I bring people with me more when I'm myself than if I try to be something different. So for me, that's funny. Um, but, you know, there's nothing worse than sort of a dad joke from a politician who's been fed a <laughs> line, is there? Yeah. Well, I think we've we've had a, um, a spell of a sort of comedian at, at the lead, really. Um, yeah. uh, but, but with what's wonderful about Sturgeon, I think, is that she has used somebody else's humour absolutely beautifully. So Jamie Godley is doing these extraordinary yeah. Oh, videos. yes, yes. Um, Nicola Sturgeon. Nicola Sturgeon's gone, well, actually she's getting the message about COVID out by taking the mickey out of me better than I can and has embraced it and said, yeah. yep, I'm happy to be the butt of your jokes. Let's work together. And that's, it's really quite something. Just, then they did a together, just to explain, they, where, just to Just to explain yeah. to our listeners exactly what Janie Godley is doing. Janie Godley is an amazing Scottish comedian who um, has started voicing over videos that Sturgeon and other people have done. So she will. So while Sturgeon is giving her calm message of this is how you should behave during the pandemic, this is what's important, you've got Janie over the top going, just fit and do this and do that. And, oh my God, I'm losing patience with a lot of you. And then always finishes it by turning around, leaving the rostrum, the, the rostrum and going, Frank, get the door, which is... <laughs> <laughs> as though Nicola Sturgeon is this tyrant and it's so lovely and funny and then they did a sketch together where Sturgeon finished by going Frank get the door and lovely so she she knows how to use that but she's not yeah. trying to be the one being hilariously funny um and that's it's again it's that confidence of knowing where she's going that that is all about confidence isn't it yeah. she's you know and the fact that Nicola Sturgeon isn't taking herself too seriously even though somebody is sending her up which is yeah. amazing. I mean, and then, you know, she's able to, then she's able to balance that with, I need to be really earnest and get this point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's great. She's herself. I think what that kind of all points to, though, isn't it? That actually really part of good leadership is knowing who you are and using your best skills in service of others or something greater than yourself. You're listening to How to Have Fun at Work. Brought to you by Funny Women and Hilarious. A quick add-on question here. Um, do you think women are good team players as well? Do you think we, because I think women, when we, I think women build teams in a different way to the generic kind of business model of it where we've all got to have a role. I think women are really great. We're natural communicators because we have to work together to bring up our families survive you know deal with all the stuff we have to deal with so that you know women's leadership is a very much more circular affair uh, I, I, I mean Harriet what do you think I'll tell you about the time I said to one of my colleagues well I think I'm a very good team player and she just looked at me with like complete <laughs> astonishment in her eyes and she was like babe you're not <laughs> And, oh, and I, was sort of, I was like mildly horrified by this. I was like, what do you mean? What do you mean I'm not a good team player? And she's like, I'm not saying you're not a lot of fun to have on a team. I'm not saying you don't bring brilliant ideas. I'm not saying that you aren't like hugely valuable to the team. But the role in, you play in the team is like pulling the stuff apart and actually reinventing things. And she's like, that's brilliant, but it makes you a difficult person to be on a team with. Oh, interesting. And that's like, 
that's an interesting thing that I think you know, we all have to look at ourselves and be like, am I, am I really a good team player? Because we hmm. do say, oh, so women are better at, you know, better in teams because they like to communicate. Well, I know some men that are great communicators and I know some women, and I will sometimes count myself in this, who are not so good. And that's an element of kind of actually knowing yourself and saying, hang on, I know that actually, you know, in my heart, I want everyone to think that I'm a really good team player. But also, if I was a really good team player, I probably wouldn't be as confident out there on the front of the stage as by myself yeah, or yeah. pushing for the idea that I really believe in or saying, sod it, I'm out of here and I'm going to go do something else, which are all the skills and strengths that I have. And so but, I, but I, is, I wish I was a good team player, but I'm not. <laughs> well, I would say that leaders, as you've both said, take their vision forward mm-hmm. and most of us make a conscious decision at some point in our lives that we're either going to do the thing we really want to do and take people with us or we're going to stay in the groove in the team or whatever you want to call it and be you know not not raise your head above the parapet because that comes with a degree of risk as well i mean pauline you and i have experienced this in the world of comedy so but i cannot i also i i also think i think i take issue with the idea that women you can say that women are good team players because we have to we have to work with other people. And I think actually women, many women, I think there are good and bad. Uh, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a female genetic thing, but um, so many women have to juggle everything. Yeah. So many women don't have that support. You know, I, I might go and do a long day at work, but I'm still the one that has to sort out the kids' homework and, and make the tea. Um, and actually, that's not going to work if you're a team player because it's incredibly frustrating to, to want to be in a team when actually you end up doing everything yourself and then you become quite a negative person. I think what many women, I, I suppose particularly mothers, are good at is getting their heads down and doing all of it. Harriet, I know you have. You said you haven't got any children, and you've just given birth to a book, which is equally painful. <laughs> but you know, you and I have worked strangely. I have two very parallel lives going on here because, in the time I've known both of you, I've worked both in the workplace with Harriet and in comedy with Pauline. And in fact, Pauline, you've come got involved with some of our workplace events as well. Wow. So we 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 know the mix. But you know, within that world. And I don't want to get into um, women returners because I think that's another whole topic. But within that world of getting women to stand up for themselves, uh, take take on the mantle of leadership. What what are your what are your tips? And and you know, we all perform in different ways. Um, you know, Harriet, you're a much you do a lot of public speaking. I do a certain amount. Pauline does comedy and a bit of public speaking. What can we do? What can we do as women with a certain amount of experience behind us to encourage more women to lead or to, you know, even just to get on a stage and say what they think? Harriet? I mean, I think for me, a lot of it comes down to encouraging women to really own what they want. So, you know, I I like to say to women I coach you, if we just took away, we took away reality for a minute. If we just took away <laughs> reality for a minute. We took away what is and isn't possible and what might or might not happen and all the various blockers. Like, what do you really want? What gets you really excited? You know, that feeling, it hit the pit of your stomach where your whole body is tingling. You're like, yeah, I want it. What is that? And then go after that. Because mm. I think a lot of the time, 
when I work with women who perhaps have less confidence in they've spent a lot of time denying that desire Mm. and I spent a lot of time saying, well, it's not about what I want, it's what somebody else wants, or I'm doing this because somebody else thinks I'm good at it, or I'm doing this because there's a need for it, or I'm going to pick this up because nobody else is doing it. And the problem with that is that while we're doing things for everybody else, we're not doing the stuff that we want to do. And generally, we're doing the stuff that other people don't want to do. Yeah. Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, I, I live in a world of shoulds and oughts, you know, I should yeah. be doing this, why I ought to do that. I, I think we are dominated by what society kind of impresses upon us that we should do. This is How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker, the founder of Funny Women. To find out how to have fun in your workplace, visit www.herlarious.co.uk. And I think, you know, the greatest gift anyone can give themselves is actually just saying, if I just didn't listen to anybody else, if I didn't listen to what society thinks I'm doing or what the person sat next to me is doing or what my other half thinks I should be doing or what my kids want me to be doing, if I just listened to myself for five minutes, what would I do? And I suspect for most women, the answer would be have a nap and then think about it. And that's okay. Right? Like, go do that. Um, but, you know, I, I, in a weirdly way, I think kind of the past year where we've all been working from home has been a really good for killing a bit of that comparison syndrome. Because previously we would be sat next to somebody at work and they would do something. And I don't know about you, but like one of my colleagues would do something. Like, oh, well, I want to be doing that. Well, I, I should be doing that. Well, I, I want to be involved in that project. I just I didn't really, but somebody else was doing it, and I didn't want them to have it. If I couldn't have it, I was such a horrible child. Um, <laughs> like yeah, you know, we've been able to remove ourselves from that situation a bit. We don't have what the office thinks we should be doing, and so instead we can ask ourselves, what do I want to be doing, and how well, can I do more of that? Given that your book is about working from home, mm. or work, yeah, working from home. Um, I do slightly disagree with you because Ooh. even pre-pandemic, I worked from home when I was not racing around the country running Funny Women. Uh, so I'm used to this kind of home working scenario. The only difference is now that you're in my home. You know, I'm showing you that I have a rubbish bookcase and, you know, I haven't got a matching mug like you have on the shelves yeah. behind you. Uh, you know, I think there is a different dynamic to it. And actually, uh, weirdly, I, I've I've got the opposite problem. I feel like it was all fine before because I couldn't see into people's homes because we mo- mainly spoke on the phone and didn't use Zoom and Skype and things as much as we are now because we reserved that human contact for when we actually had proper meetings. So I think, you know, conversely, I think the opposite to you. And I think it sort of depends what motivates you, right? It depends what motivates you. I mean, one of the best pieces of advice I was ever given, I was given by a therapist and I was seeing her and I'd been out for dinner with one of my girlfriends the night before and she had just interviewed for a really big, big job. Such a big job that the head office was in LA and they had flown her business class out to LA and flown her business class back my again. My goodness. And on the way back, she had been sat next to the actor who played Mr. Big in Sex and the City and she'd got a <laughs> selfie with him. 
<laughs> and she told me this at dinner and I was just riddled <laughs> with jealousy, like riddled <laughs> with it. And I went in and I told my therapist, and I said, I'm the worst friend in the world. I'm the worst friend in the world because my, my dearest friend has had this amazing experience <laughs> and I should just be so delighted for her. And instead, I am just this awful, eaten up with jealousy, green eyed monster. And the therapist says to me, she was like, actually, you need to reframe this. She's like, jealousy, jealousy is when, you know, actually all it is, is our body telling us what we want. Uh, so back, back to our endocrine system, isn't it? And the hormones challenging and, and Pauline, come on, you're the expert on this. But yeah, but I also, I also <laughs> take a little bit, there, there's so much privilege in going for what you want because you also you have to compromise with um I have to work for a living I would do just comedy all day long I think possibly I don't know maybe not but you know I would pursue comedy much harder if I had no responsibilities at all but I choose to have those responsibilities some of those responsibilities I don't choose to have I actually never chose to have children um and now I have to feed more mouths um and I have to compromise with my partner with with the things that he wants to do and it's so there is a great isn't it it's it's lovely to think oh I'd like to be doing that bit of work but if I'm if I'm cleaning floors because that's the opportunity that I have and I have to do that to feed myself or feed my family I think for me the thing about the thing about what what can women do to you know to to get themselves into leadership roles is is about feeding yourself in in all of the other ways but food um is is about is about if I do have to spend eight hours a day cleaning offices what do I have left at the end of the day for me? And that might be a nap. That might be a, do you know what? Actually, what I'd really like to do is perform. So once a month, I'm going to go and do the funny women time of the month and have and do something really different. And it may be that I can't pursue it more than that, but I do something that feeds me. And, and it's a great privilege. I'm in a great privileged position that I can make a living doing lots of different things. Um, and I can set up my day so that my daytime is always available for my voice agent and my evenings are always available for comedy and and everything else gets fitted in between and I'm incredibly lucky for that. I think Pauline that's a great way as well to kind of end this discussion in terms of you having fun with yourself at your work you know that that's a really good not a metaphor but you know an example of how great it can feel when you are when you know yourself that well that you can go that you can go that mile and take it, take that decision in your head to, to know that that bit of comedy is going to be really brilliant. Harriet. Whatever you- the job, sorry, I was going to say whatever the job is, because when I'm delivering food now uh, in my in my driving job, <laughs> I've also found what it is that I love about that job. It is completely unstressful. I am paid to work for seven, eight hours on somebody else's time, driving a van quite slowly, never breaking the speed limit, pootling from house to house with no email and no WhatsApp messages and no having to worry about it, listening to podcasts. And actually it feels more like leisure time. And it's a lovely little job. I think we might get a few people applying after this uh, podcast. (laughs) Harriet, your last your last note on having fun at work. I mean, and and also I just kind of we talk. You talked about not having fun with your book. Okay, I want to bring it back to the book because the book is important. Please tell me there was a bit that was fun when you'd completed it. 
Yes, definitely when I completed it. Oh my God, when I like sent in the manuscript and and they sent it back for edits like 20 times. And then finally I sent it in and they were like, yeah, no more. And I was like, ah, it's amazing. <laughs> um, but I think actually just really echoing kind of what Pauline said there is, there's, I find that in ev- pretty much everything, like you can find humor in it. You can mm. find fun in it. You can find enjoyment and pleasure in it if you if you just have to kind of look for it a little bit and so when I was writing the book and it was just really awful like it was there were points where I was like I'm gonna have to like pay them back the money they paid me and I just say I can't do it um I tried to find something that was okay so I tried to find okay well actually I wrote this bit and it's quite funny and that's made me laugh a bit or I'm going to log on and do something called Writer's Hour, which is an online writing event. And I'm going to do that and just enjoy the experience of other people also hating the writing process. <laughs> um, and so I think that was really good. And then the thing that actually really helped me was I totally cheated in the end. So what I actually did in the end was I came up with my chapters. I wrote down what was, you know, kind of a bullet points of what was going to be in that chapter. And then I pressed record on my phone and I just spoke for an hour about my bullet points. Mm, brilliant. And then yes. I typed that up. Yeah. And then, you know, some of it I kept, some of it I went. But at that point, I had stuff on a page. <laughs> that was all yeah. I cared about. And what that taught me, I think, was actually, I was like, it's not it's not supposed to be that hard. It's not no. supposed to be that hard. And if you are really struggling with it, that's the time to go back and say, actually, what am I good at? Well, maybe I'm not the greatest writer, but I'm a good talker. So I'll just talk for a bit and then I'll see what happens. That's a brilliant tip because that was your way in, you know, to take the theme of what we're talking about here of you having fun with trying to make you make it work for you. You you took something you found fun and you found easy to do and you, you flipped it. I mean, I'll be absolutely frank. I'm doing exactly the same thing with this podcast. You know, I've already got my book title, how to have fun at work and I'm doing the same thing, you know, and, and, that that is fun you know I'm I'm enjoying that process so much like if if books are like having children um (laughs) I just want to you know encourage you Harriet to know that we tend to get better at it as we go along (laughs) yes Uh, god I hope so (laughs) (laughs) there's also you know my body knew what to do the second pregnancy it had been there before and it knew what it was doing and also my mind was a better parent the second time because I'd been there before etc so Mm -hmm. um you know maybe 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 (laughs) an even better your next one I did a wonderful job with my first one she's a wonderful person but I found it easier the second time I I do think there's something about creative people though that we we often overthink the process so we stop having fun with it I've seen people in comedy say they're not enjoying doing the same material over again or writing um, writing writing you know Harriet and I are both effectively, um, she's more of a journalist than I am, but, you know, I am trained as a journalist. I've done quite a lot of writing. I actually really love writing. I really enjoy it. But when I know I've got a really important deadline or I've got to do it at a certain time or in a certain way, then it stops being fun. So what what you've said, both of you, in your own ways, you take it back to basics and you do something that feels 
right and comfortable so you can relax your mind and just yeah. let that whole thing flow whether that be giving birth or writing a book <laughs> you know I thought that was quite a neat analogy actually very good analogy yeah. yeah so listen thank you both what a fantastic and interesting discussion we've had we veered away from leadership but that doesn't matter. I think we covered all bases. But we've and had fun at work, though, Lynn, and that's we've what we've had fun at work. Exactly. So, um, just give us your give us your your socials and and where can we find you, Harriet? Um, you can find me on all the social medias at Harriet Minter. That's really easy. Thank you. And plug your book one more time. Oh, it's called WFH: Working from Home: How to Build a Career You Love When You're Not in the Office. It is available on all the good booksellers, including the one that shall not be named. Uh, but my personal favourite is bookshop.org, which supports local bookshops. I'm with you on that. Brilliant. And Pauline, where can we find and you? I'm nice and simple too, at Yes Pauline Eyre, which is E-Y-R-E on all the socials. And uh, I'm also launching a podcast with Louise Lee called Air Lee Doors, E-Y-R-E-L-E-I-G-H Doors. And we're launching that in uh, April 21. Um, it's going to be huge and we're going to be amazing megastars and rich from it. And, and it's oh, also, it, it is also a bit of a show that we do with funny women as well. It is. Funny women have supported us hugely yes. putting it together. So, uh, And it is indeed very funny. So thank you both. Um, go off and have fun at work. And thank you so much for being my guests. Thank you, Lynn. You've been listening to How to Have Fun at Work with Lynn Parker. If you like us, please subscribe, review and share. Sick